<laughs> so, and anyway, also, uh, there is a camera on here, and I could turn it on at any time as long as you're there and have yours on. But otherwise, well, you can turn yours on whether mine's on or not, but I can turn mine on. Yeah, can you see me? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, there. you put like a painting in your background. Yeah, I did. Well, I didn't know that. You're the only one I've ever used this app for. I, yeah. I see the paint, but I don't know where it came from. Uh, and it, but I can't see it very well. I need to go to my audio video settings because my camera is not the right camera. <laughs> oh, oh I see. Audio. Why is it? It's showing well, a picture of a piece of paper laying on the ground instead of me. Uh, why is are you using a computer? It's using my. Uh, it's using the camera on the back of my phone is what it's using. Oh. So I have to if I wanted. I mean, there's oh, yeah. me. I got you. But it's using my phone through the whatever they call that the. Um, yeah, remote video or something. Yeah, yeah. So it defaulted to this phone. But oh. I don't have this phone like attached to stand, and it's the, it's the back cameras, so I would have to set this up to work here. Yeah, one of the things that's lousy on my computer is the uh, it looks like the uh, intensity of colors is maxed out. I mean, you know, wherever there's a orange, it's bright orange. You know. Yeah. And uh, so it's all it's too uh -huh. much. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't look real at all. Right. Yeah. I mean, like your whiskers really show up. <laughs> you haven't shaved in a while. <laughs> yeah. To do that, I could see him way back here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm also shooting it with a you know 48 megapixel iPhone 14 camera, so yeah, that's right. Super sharp. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure my camera on the uh, on the high. Let's see that. Mac is not as, as good. Yeah, no. It's funny how but, Apple has not done that. They, they they got really high quality cameras for. Um, I, well, I can't. The, I can't keep holding this up in the air. <laughs> I got. Yeah, I'm gonna turn it off. Um, otherwise, you're staring at my gut. Um, the uh, quality of the cameras on. Uh, on their laptops is pretty poor and has been for quite a while. Well, the reason is, is that's an expensive component in the, in the phone. In fact, it, you know, I think it drives a lot of the cost. Yeah. Well, so that put a lot of money in those cameras. So those are not inexpensive cameras and therefore, and people don't, uh, you know, care to have them. Uh, that kind of quality in more than one device. I mean, they're not willing to pay for it. I, I wouldn't pay for that kind of quality on here. In yeah. fact, I, their answer is probably the best, is that just make a connection to whatever device you want to have that quality, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, and it's like, yeah, you've got this great set of cameras on your phone. Just use that wherever you need to use it. Yeah, in fact, you should be able to buy an iPad with or without a camera, you know? Mm-hmm. It's cut the cost of it. I mean, they don't put a particularly good one in there either. 
Um, very actually the mo the well it depends on which ones you're getting. The the pros now come with the same cameras that are in the phones. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Right. So that's part of the reason you buy a uh, an iPod Pro is because they now you know like they the the they have the three cameras on the back and the and they're now using the 12 megapixel wide camera on the front to do um, the what do they call that the thing where they can follow along. Yeah. So paying paying a lot of extra then for the darn thing. Yeah. We're talking tech. We should have started the show. Yeah, I suppose we should have. I should, I should right. get and go uh, get my headset on and try to get comfortable in the other room. Uh, let's see. I don't think I need it, but just in case somebody calls me, I'll take my phone with me. So how was swimming this morning? Just fine. We got out of there just before the rain started, so ah. can't complain about that. We're just beyond the rain here, I think. Yeah. We're supposed to get it on and off throughout the day, which is been great anyway. been great for the the snowpack and everything but uh you know especially in northern california they've gotten so much in such a short period of time that they can't handle it and it's causing flooding and and all the water is basically not being captured for when we need it later you know so it's all flowing away yeah, yeah. i thought california had this underground system where they put try to keep maintain some storage underground but i i don't know if that's been maybe it's not been successful not that i've heard of well um, i mean uh, when doesn't, we still doesn't mean it doesn't right. exist i hadn't heard anything well when we still lived out in the canyon uh there was a deal where they were actually putting water under us yeah and they didn't want anybody digging wells you know <laughs> too late because <laughs> but somebody already People had already had, I guess, were grandfathered in, you know, like we had a well on our property. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's news to me. I suppose there are probably things like that going on all the time where they're trying to, you know, I, that doesn't seem, you know, like just pumping into the groundwater doesn't seem like a, um, economical solution, <laughs> I guess, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Unless you know, unless you really know where it's going. But if you know that there's already water there and people are taking out of it, then right. they're kind of re, they're kind of replenishing it. They must be able to what measure some level of groundwater in, in several places yeah. to sort of know where that aquifer exists. You know. Yeah. 
Uh, in fact, Bill, uh, I can't remember his name now. Uh, well, hold that thought while you think of his name. Let's just go ahead and officially start, and then we can talk about it. Oh. Um, <laughs> Again, we've been talking for, for 10 minutes and haven't, haven't started yet. So, <laughs> All right. Well, hey there, hi there, ho there. Welcome to Generation Tech. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm joined, as always, by my dad, Jack. How are you today, Dad? I'm good. Yeah, we've been talking for 10 minutes and said, hey, maybe we should start the show. So, so, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. Now, so Now now we'll stutter and stammer and say, well, yeah. what are we going to talk about yeah. now? <laughs> yeah, what do we want to talk about? Yeah, we were, we were going and go. We talked about all kinds of stuff. We were talking about... Um, replenishment of underground aquifer in California. And apparently when you had lived out here, uh, they had told people in the area you weren't, they weren't issuing any new licenses to drill wells because uh, they grandfathered those in who had them, but they were basically pumping water into that area um, because that was a natural aquifer and they wanted to uh, replenish it and use it as a means of storage of water well, when, we, when we had it. I, I haven't told you the... The, the full part of the story yet. Right. And along with this notice that was talking about that, they said that uh, since they're putting water into the aquifer, in other words, I was supposed to be worrying about it running dry, right? Because mm -hmm. I was depending on that for my water. Well, they're taking care of me, and for that, they're going to charge me. So oh. it was on, had something to do with the city or state tax uh, yeah. things, that there was an add-on charge. Yeah, and so that's that's when I learned that they were first uh, going to charge us for this effort that they're making yeah. on our behalf. You're not and on city. You're not on city water, so we're going to pump water into the ground and then charge you for the pleasure of using it. That's right. You know, mm. you'd, you'd think that uh, when you own property, that you have a right to whatever's underground. That's getting to be really untrue throughout the country. In fact, yeah, I know people who you can't. Uh, you can't strike oil anymore, but what the state grabs, you know, a big chunk of it. Right. Well, you know, I mean, it's you know, there. Are the the mineral rights and water rights to a property are sometimes sold separate to the, to the you know the land use rights. Right? That's right. That's and right. so when you purchase a property, you if you want to have those other rights with that property, you need to make sure that's included in the sale. Otherwise. Um, well, and, you know, and if, if nobody has claimed it, the state certainly will if you find anything of value there. <laughs> well, they're even controlling in Kansas, and I only know this because I have a cousin who lives there and has a lot of property in western Kansas, mm -hmm. that when you go to sell the property, you can't sell the rights with it anymore. Wow. In other words, you may own the rights, but nobody else is ever going to own them because you're, you know, once you're gone. Right. In other words, they're not taking something that you got. When you write the new sale, mm -hmm. it doesn't get put into the deed. So, you know, it's just the government taking over stuff that has value, significant value in a lot of places. And and this, I think, has to do with the oil rights in yeah. western Kansas. Yeah. Because cause Lee, when he bought his 5,000 acres out there, actually it was a partnership, not just Lee, but another classmate or something that was a farmer. Mm -hmm. And they together invested in this property because it was more than either one of them wanted to spend. So I think it's a half-half or some 
split deal. But nevertheless, they discovered that the guy next door to them had suddenly had an oil well popped up in his field, you know, and and Lee says, well, I'm going to see if one will sprout in my field. Yeah. <laughs> got, the guy, got the guys out there and checking it out. And of course he drilled right across the road from this guy. So it was right close to him. Yeah. <laughs> Tapped in the same vein, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. But he, he got, he found oil, you know? So suddenly the land that he, he brought and it included mineral rights. He wasn't even thinking about it at the time until he saw that somebody else had discovered oil. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, he, he, he got a really good deal, but that yeah. was typical of Lee. He, he had made some, uh, investments that just suddenly got him, made him rich, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I always thought if I ever invested, I was going to go ask Lee for his advice. Yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah, him little... one time talking to me about that too. He, he was asking what I, I don't, it was weird cause I don't understand why, but I remember he asked me one time what I was thinking about ethanol. <laughs> and I'm like, ah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, ah, ethanol. Um, he 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 was high on ethanol as an alternative fuel at that time, and uh, you know, well, I have farm, no idea. Well, of course, of course, the farmers all. Oh yeah, that was a big deal for them. You know, yeah, no, oh. another market for their products. Absolutely, absolutely. Anyhow, I so. Had, uh, <laughs> gone through looking at some interesting articles and uh, mm-hmm. uh anyway uh it i just got when you, when you rang i just found one that says apple halts development on its own wi-fi chips for a while and this is from ming chi ku yeah who and, quo. you know he's quo yeah he's, he's a reliable sort of guy i yeah. didn't even know where they were well he's reliable when it comes to production line information What's happening on the production lines in China? He seems to have his, you know, tapped into that pretty well. But when it comes to, um, uh, you know, other areas of supposition, he tends to be a little less accurate. So, you know, um, but, you know, is that a, you know, they've halted it for a while and that's because they were producing and now they're not? Or, you know, I don't Uh know. Well, the substance of the article seemed to be that uh, whatever uh, Apple's previous development says for a Wi-Fi solution uh, was a Wi-Fi only chip, not the Wi-Fi Bluetooth combo chip. Right. And anyway, from a design standpoint, uh, the combo chip is more challenging, of course, than the Wi-Fi only chip. Yeah. And anyway, since most of their products use the combination of both, they want both radios. Right. It would be, uh, uh, good while they're yeah. at it to re if they, see, they're talking about replacing Broadcom's combination. Well, that's why I was saying they've been using Broadcom pretty famously. They use Qualcomm for the cellular radio and Broadcom is their general go-to for their Wi-Fi Bluetooth radio. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I can see them one. I mean, you know, they very famously bought Intel's, um, uh, cellular radio development team in an attempt to move away from Qualcomm. And apparently that, you know, still hasn't really borne any fruit. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing. It's, it's harder than it looks, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's 
typical of big companies. If, uh, if they can produce it, they uh, got the money to invest in the development, and uh, yeah. ult- ultimately it'll pay for itself. You know? Yeah. It depends on the philosophy of the company, right? But, but yeah. Intel, I mean, rather, uh, Apple has, has tended to have a philosophy of we'll buy it, you know, we'll buy best, best product, you know, that we can get because we want high quality. And, and then we'll, you know, over a period of time, develop the, the, uh, the expertise in-house to, to then go away from that so we can control ourselves. You know, they, that's yeah. essentially what they did with their, with their CPUs and GPUs. And so they've just been slowly, you know, adding more and more to the system on a chip. Yep. Right, right now, the radios are still external to that. You know, and it's possible too that that even if they take it over themselves, the radios will remain external because, uh, you know, by virtue of the fact that their radios putting them, you know, on a CPU die may not work because there may be too much interference from the processors and the graphics processors and the AI processors and, you know, there's a lot going on on those chips. So yeah, but um, but the the thought of these integration schemes are that the the more you can put on a single chip. The, in the long run, you'll be better off. Right. You know, yeah. because of the shorter paths and stuff, so you can gain speed. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Well, they run cooler because they, you know, again because they're smaller runs, and so, you know, yep. less less current used, and and so uh, you know better on the battery and and cooler to touch, and you know, anyway. lot, there's advantages, and so I, we understand why they want to do that, and the idea. I mean, I think probably in a perfect world they would like to have their all of their radios combined into a single chip, right? So that one chip is handling uh, Wi-Fi, cellular, and Bluetooth, yeah, and this... and the ultra wideband, right? Because they've got that chip in there too. So there's a fair number of different types of radios in their devices. Yeah. Now this kind of article, in my view, is, a, is something that can have investor interest because it makes the company more valuable or less in the long term. The more stuff that they own. And whatever, but from a consumer standpoint, it's don't care. I mean, you know, it's going to work well. It's it's there now, and they're using somebody else's product, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's highly doubtful that you know what gain will, will actually lower the price of your product. I mean, right. it, may, it may somewhere, but that's speculation. So, uh, I it's it's not the kind of article that I'm that interested. I just thought I'd bring it up since it just happened. That yeah. Going. Yeah. So you posted something else about uh, foldable iPads. Yeah. That's, now that, that to me is a consumer kind of interest. Uh, yeah. This is, this is uh, in relations to a patent issued for Apple. And uh, there's a, uh, a group called patently Apple that tracks every time a uh, patent is issued to Apple. But this one also seems to be, brought out by uh, Ming-Chi Kuo, and it, it's uh, basically the design for a foldable iPad. And, you know, I can think about that in terms of, you know, a large device that folds in half takes up less space. And in a sense, you know, it's I've always thought that the idea of a foldable phone doesn't necessarily work because it just means the phone's now twice as thick, you know. So now you have a clump in your pocket instead of a large slab. Right. And, and uh um, you know, generally thinking, you know, for at least I prefer 
a I would prefer a larger, thinner thing in my pocket. But as a as a uh, iPad, you know, the ability just like a laptop to fold it up and stuff it into a backpack. And that, therefore, also protecting the screen when you do that is maybe not a bad idea as long as when it pops open that it has a, a means of, like, locking into that position. Because the last thing I would want is my iPad to, while I'm working on it, then be, you know, wanting to fold back up. So they would have to make sure that when it popped open that it was pretty stable in that position. That, that's right, yeah. And, and of course, it factors in as to, you know, do you gain weight because of this hinge mechanism? Mm-hmm. Because basically... The display becomes a, a flexible display, and it's a matter of then how to mechanically hold it. Uh, right. Support it, well, you know? and to fold it without putting a kink in it. And right. the very act of folding anything that's got electronics on it means that you're going to probably shorten the life life of it, you know, as it c- compared to a a rigid fixed piece. So, you yeah. know, I, I can see where it might have some appeal to some people. I I think it raises questions, but if you, it certainly makes sense if you want to go to a larger form factor, right? Yeah. How big a thing are we talking about? You know. Yeah. If you're saying a like a, a 32 inch display, you know. Yeah. That you want to carry with you. Well, you know, if you could fold that up and get it down to 16 on one side, you know, maybe, maybe so. You know. Uh, yeah. I looking at the article, it it has some dimensions, but I can't uh, read them. Uh, it, I don't know if those are really dimensions or what. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think those are just item numbers. Like there's 12 right and 12 left. Yeah. And that's item 12. I don't think that indicates 12 inches or 12 centimeters or anything like that. I think it's just just yeah. uh, identifying numbers. At least in the um, in the patent illustration that is has yeah, been posted here. But, yeah, and and for patent purposes, you don't want to restrict and lock down things that that'll change possibly change you know, right different, uh, form factors you yeah know. yeah you know like an ipad mini i can't see any reason to fold that but when you start getting to even the 11 inch and then certainly the the 13 inch you know if you can fold those in half so that you can tuck them away and again when you tuck them away the screen is now protected because it's folded over on itself um you know there might be some value to that i'm sure yeah you know. Uh, yeah. especially when it's uh, basically a very mm. thin screen that you're talking about that's going to be folded, if you will, right? going through a, a reasonable curve curvature in the fold. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, for me personally, and this is, you know, just I, I don't see if that was added as a feature, like if next year's iPad comes out and it's foldable and, and, and you know, but otherwise it's, you know, pretty much the same thing as far as the specifications go, or or even if there's yeah. a processor spec bump in it, the fold itself doesn't intrigue me enough that I would go out and buy a new one. If the new ones had that, and that's the only way I could get a new one, and I was ready for a new iPad, then I would buy one with a fold. But it's not a feature that would intrigue me in terms of something that, you know, I, I got to have or I want or that that makes it more valuable until I see that there's something that maybe depends on that. You know, yeah. sort of like imagine opening it halfway up and on the and then sitting it in front of you like a laptop. And so the top half now is the screen and the bottom half has a virtual keyboard on it. And you can now type on that like a keyboard. And so now it's like a laptop, like a small laptop. So you could use it in that form factor as well. Then maybe, you know, I don't know. It just. Yeah. I don't I you know, I 
right now looking at it, I don't see a large amount of value, but but I see where it could perhaps provide value. So, well, we'll at uh, least at least it indicates sort of a target here uh, in 2024. They're saying is yeah, have, and and uh, it mentioned a carbon fiber fiber kickstand. So uh, they'll they're concerned about weight. So yeah, get some more expensive components uh, on this one maybe than than the other one. So you'll pay for that mm-hmm. fold somehow. Yeah, yeah. Like if they had a regular iPad and and a and an iPad that folds that are when they're unfolded the same size, and have the same functions, I would be hard pressed to think of a reason why I would want to pay extra for the foldable one. You know, because I I really believe that it would, you know, lessen the life of the iPad. Right. You know, possibly add weight to the iPad. Um, you know, decrease the battery life of the iPad. I mean, there's just, you know, I look at the tri- the, 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 the um, trade-offs and go, eh, I don't know. But, you know, until it's a real product, you don't know what those trade-offs really are. Well, uh, the other issue here is, is that is there a certain uh, type of user that they're targeting that is maybe mm-hmm. currently buying foldables from somebody else. I think Samsung right. makes a foldable, don't they? Well, they make a foldable phone. I don't know that anybody has a foldable tablet in the market right now. So, you know. And I think the foldable phone has done reasonably well for Samsung. I don't know the actual sales numbers. Um, they've certainly been marketing it a lot, you know. And there's two different foldable phones. They do the one that opens like a book and then one that's like an old flip phone. And I don't know, like I said, for me, I look at both of those and I go, okay, it's twice as expensive and twice as thick in my pocket. I don't see a lot of value there, you know? Yeah. Especially the one that opens like a flip phone. I, well, I would just as soon have a flat slab equal to that in size, you know? Yeah. The one that opens like a book gives you at least a larger screen than, than a standard slab type of phone, you know, because it, it's double wide. But then you get this weird sort of square form factor, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. So, you know, um, well, for those who got them and really love them, then you know more power to them. But it's not something yeah. I lust after. Well, you know, you never know until you got something in your hands and it's right. working, and and you then the, then you start thinking about how. Uh, it might have some value to you, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've thought about it. You know, they're out there. They're available, you know, and if you, you know, so I, you know, looking at them going like, well, is there something about that form factor that I go, oh, that does this for me that I can't do otherwise? You know. Right. You can set it down without a stand because it'll sit up and point the camera at you. So you can set it down somewhere and have the camera pointing at you without having to put it on a stand or leaning against anything. Yeah, kind of why I went back to a computer because I thought mm-hmm. having a keyboard uh, and the weight there from the battery and the base of the, mm-hmm. of the computer uh, brought is basically holds the display, so I don't have to hold, be lifting something. Uh, I might mention that I have a, uh, a shoulder that's been giving me some trouble, and then yeah, I don't want to have to continue to have some weight against it. Right. Well, and, you know, your preferences for the larger screen. So holding yeah. that size iPad up in front of you is is kind of, I mean, literally causing you pain, right? And so, right. And so you just like, well, you know, what's the alternative? And it's like, oh, yeah, this old, thi- old fashioned thing called the laptop. Yeah. Uh, but, but it work- comes with the downside of, of an old OS compared to iOS, as mm-hmm. well as uh, uh, 
uh, you know, the whole business of not being a touchable interface there. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's rumor that Apple's going to remedy that with a touch interface or, you know, that they're looking into it. And it's like, well, I have no doubt they're looking into it. I think that they stand by the... If you're, you know, that defeats the purpose, right? Because now you're still lifting your hand up and reaching out in front of you. Yep. And so, at least with the operating system as it exists, Mac OS, it doesn't make sense to do touch for Mac OS. Yep. But I think, you know, I mean, if you have Mac OS right now, by default, down in the corner, you have the launch pad. It looks just like iOS. It's a bunch of little icons. Yep. You know? And to the left of that is Finder. It's the little happy face that looks like Mac. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand why, and this seems to me like super easy to do with the Mac Pros. And I say super easy because, you know, I don't have to do it. But it seems to me like with a Mac Pro or with, or with an iPad Pro, rather, with an iPad Pro, they could very easily, when you have attached a pointing device and keyboard, i.e. one of their Apple cases that has the keyboard and pointing device built into it, or a Bluetooth keyboard and Bluetooth mouse, that you should suddenly get a copy of the Finder down in the left-hand corner of your iPad. And if you click on that, you get Mac OS. And in yep. Mac OS, when you click on the launch pad, you should pop right into iOS. That device can run both. It's got the CPU to do both. It's got storage space to do both. There's no reason that it can't support both. And that, to me, and so, so rather than trying to blend the two, you just switch between which interface you want. And they've added enough functionality to the, um, the uh, files app on iOS that, you know, you can put all your files and stuff in, in, in you can see, yeah. like, like on your iCloud storage, right. I can see the files that are, I've created regardless of whether I did it on a Mac or a phone or an iPad. Uh, and that, that already exists. So... So I see no reason that that shouldn't currently exist. The iPad Pro uh, or any of the iPad line that run the uh, A-series chips should be able to be upgraded to run Mac OS if they have the pointing devices. So it, yep. uh, it irritates me that that doesn't exist, you know. And, in fact, I bought a, an iPad Air when I replaced the iPad Pro that I had last time because they did not have that for the... I would have gotten the iPad Pro if that had been an option for the iPad Pro because I don't know what I said. Okay, there's the most versatile device. I can run whichever operating system makes sense for what I'm trying to do at any given point in time. But since they didn't do that, they don't make that supported, I said, I'm not spending that money for the Pro because there's no no value in it to me over, yeah. the, over the air. Yeah, and before we got on, you pointed out to me that uh, something I was not really aware of, that they've got the expensive, and I don't know how much more expensive, uh, camera that came from the iPhone mm -hmm. in, in the iPad Pro now. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't think that I've taken more than three or four pictures with my iPad ever. Right. It's not, you know, it's just not something. So why would I want to spend uh, or even have that on? Uh, if I can save a hundred bucks or so, yeah. I just want the big display. Yeah, you know? no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, why not have an iPad with an option to have no camera? Well, have the front camera so you can do FaceTime with it. But oh, yeah. you, you don't need the back cameras because yeah. I never use the back cameras on my iPad, ever. Yeah. I, I'm always shocked when I see people at some event and they're holding up a big 
13-inch screen or an 11-inch <laughs> screen to shoot video of some of their kid or snap a picture of their kid. You know, it always yeah. just shocks me. But there are people who do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying it shouldn't be available. It should be an option. If you want to buy an iPad with a with the rear camera set up, great. Just, but if you looks, don't, do you, it why? It looks too too risky that somebody could easily hit that big thing while yeah. it's up in the air, you know, and you fumble and go on the ground, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, it's it, it reminds me in photography of like, you know, Ansel Adams carrying the big giant uh, uh, <laughs> cameras, you know. Yeah, with with, the, with big, a giant screen, I, I feel like you should put a blanket over your head and stick it, stick that on the end of a box or something. <laughs> um, yeah, it just, it, I it looks weird to me, you know. And I guess it's just a matter of what you're used to, you know. And I suppose if that's the device you got, right? If you right. you you bought a cheap phone because you couldn't couldn't afford or didn't want to, or you had to make a choice as to where you're putting your money, and so you've got this nice iPad with good cameras in them, use it. I, you know, I understand that, and I don't knock anybody for doing that, but it just seems like the, um, you know, kind of the wrong place for that to me. Yeah. It, you know? You know, has anybody, uh, uh, well, I, I, I know for a long time we were getting upgrades mostly on uh, of the iPhone upgrades had to do with the camera. Mm-hmm. You know, so that they've been upgrading those for a long time, and I, I haven't, you know, I'm, I'm not interested in any better pictures. Yeah, it takes so many. I, I just even have snapshots, and maybe with a little less resolution because the storage right. gets out of hand. You know. Yeah, well, it's funny. I uh, was at a um, high school water polo game recently, <laughs> and talking to uh, one of the parents who was also. A, I would call like a semi-pro photographer who is shooting photos of the, the thing. And, um, or actually, I'm sorry, it wasn't even at that. It was at a separate event. It was an awards event. And we were, he, he also had the latest phone and we were talking about it. And I told him that I felt like the quality of the images wasn't, I didn't like the look of it as much as I did with my iPhone 11. So I went from an 11 to a 14. And the 14 unquestionably has better mechanicals. But it felt to me like the default settings were over-sharpening the photo. And so the colors and the edges of everything just looked artificial to me. And I, lo and behold, I read an article yesterday where people are complaining about the fact that the, the photos from the, the later iPhones, mostly the 13 and 14, the most recent two, that Apple has done something to tweak their, their, uh, their software and that they seem over-sharpened and harsh you know, they don't look natural anymore. And that's exactly my reaction. It's like, it doesn't look right. Something's not quite there. Um, yeah. You know, and it's part of the, you know, the the um, uh, use of the, the uh, what do they call it? Uh, I'm blanking on the term. The uh, computer enhancing of the photos, right? Because the, the image, okay. it, the, the raw image is, is from a very, very small light sensor. And so, uh, and so there's co- computational photography is the word I was looking for. Oh. And so they've tweaked their, their algorithm for their computational photography in the more recent phones. And I don't like the look of it. I really don't. I think that it, it looks poor compared to what it used to be. Well, that's um, terrible. Yeah. You know, and it's just my, my sense of things don't quite look as good as they so, had in the past. So, so 
because they've reduced the reason for upgrading. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, they keep getting better and better, you know, in terms of the hardware. But well, it seems like you know? it seems that's like a, their software has done something to make the the image not look right to me. Yeah. yeah no, I mean, it's it's not just an assumption. You can look at the specs of the device and say that this is, you know, objectively a better camera. Yeah. But the image coming out of it is not better, and that. You know, and the difference is what they're doing processing that image in the background. Yeah. So something has changed there in the in the processing. The positive side is they can change that, or if you don't like it, don't use Apple's camera app. Use one of the many other camera apps because they'll process it differently, you know. Or shoot it as a raw image, and then you can go and do your own processing. So. I didn't even realize that, that you can... Use other camera apps. Oh yeah, not non Apple. Oh yeah, there's lots of apps out there that are, are that uh, um, are non Apple apps that manage your or that 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 take the photos. They they everything goes through the Photos app to manage the photos, but um, but you can uh, you know there's lots of of good camera apps that give you uh, finer control over things rather than Apple's. Uh, but it's the first time that I have felt like Apple's wasn't the default best for most situations. And so um, I I have a variety of alternative camera apps. So I, I need to sit down and just do some testing with some basic photos and say, okay, which one is giving me the better default photo? Because that's the one I'll start using more regularly now. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a shame because, you know, I... I and it's one of those things that, you know, Apple can change at any time, but it's just I've got some pictures that I've taken with with it as it is. And I go, those don't look really good to me. They look over sharpened. And I'll send you one as an example and you can tell me what you think. But it just it, you know, and this is an untouched photo. It's just one that I uh, came from the default. app. Yeah, just took a picture and that was it. You know, that's that's how it was. Yeah, and, and then, of course, you have to ask, uh, what are all the things that you can do with the default app? Are those all supported by these other other photo apps, or that some of them do things? Some, some of them do things that the default app won't do, and some, you know, so I mean, they they run the gamut. Yeah, you know, some give you much more manual control. You know, if you're a photographer and you really feel like you like to, you know, play with the dials. Um, well, I, I figured I figured that's a big part of the appeal is gadgeteers is sure. really attracted to that, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So I just sent you a picture of of our littlest dog's face, and I just don't like that image. It looks like somebody's put some filters on it or something, and that was straight out of the camera. You did. Just did it on the message or where? Uh, yeah, I messaged a... you with it. Oh, I see it. I just didn't scoot down enough. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, that uh, that doesn't look too natural. Oh, I, I can't compare it on, on here. I told you I got a problem with the settings on my computer screen. So it's uh-huh. going to take anything you send and make it look lousy. <laughs> right. I mean, really? <laughs> Even the really fine picture, I, I don't trust this. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, my iPad's in the other room. Yeah. I guess I could bring it up on my phone. That'd be big enough, huh? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it's up to you. I just, I just, to me, this looks, it looks artificial. Yeah, well, it, it looks like there's been some kind of a, of a painterly um, uh, filter laid on it, you know. And yeah, dog's hair has a grain and stuff, but it just, it just doesn't look right. And so, I don't know. Just me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can see some stuff in it that I don't think look quite right. Yeah. So. Yeah, it just doesn't look. Hmm. It's weird, and and I mean, I I took several pictures. Well, you know, the processing uh, of any kind of photographic material uh, can have a lot to do with what the uh, what the uh, texture of that that uh, photo has, because processing is not independent of the image. You know. Certain yeah. kind of processing will affect some in images, you know, in a bad way. While you're trying to improve a different, uh, a quality of a different type of image, so that that that's always a very subjective thing. Yeah. You know, and and so I think that uh, you're right for this particular image, with, with all the hair and stuff, and that's a blanket, I think, under his nose, right? Yeah. Uh, it has yet its own texture that uh, yeah. kind of looks funny. Yeah. Well, and I look at that and I say, well, the blanket, it, it, to me, looks better than the dog's fur, but even it doesn't look right. It's like there's a, a function in, um, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with digital images where you can adjust the sharpness. And it feels to me like the sharpness is just too, too high. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? And, uh, like... You know, it's I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, just... well, I don't know if we can go on and discuss this further because. It, it, yeah, we're talking about a photo that see. nobody can see. That's right. <laughs> Yay us. <laughs> yeah, describe that photo in detail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, so yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, let's move on. You you sent another one. Up. In front of that, that has yeah. to do with the Ultra Mac Two, Ultra Mac Pro. Yeah. So um, the only Mac that is still not onto Apple Silicon is the Mac Pro, and that is the I think right now currently starts at about six thousand dollars and goes up from there up to about forty-five or fifty thousand dollars, depending on how you want to configure it. Um, and so that one is the one that we're anticipating that they will come back and say, okay, here is the ultimate back, right? Um, and they're <coughs> saying, Boy. I guess uh, uh, recently they were talking about it, you know, being a, uh, a double version of what we're seeing right now as the, uh, Mac, uh, or the, um, uh, what do they call it? The Max chip, right? The M2 right. Max and so doubling that, that would put it out to about 48 CPUs and 152 graphic cores. And, uh, uh, oh, wait a minute. They're saying that there was a, a rumor that they would have had that, uh, but it has been canceled. But uh, now they're saying that the M2 Ultra chip may have up to 76 GPU cores. So, so not 152, but 76 GPU cores. Still an awful lot of cores. It's, it's amazing to think about these computers, you know, when, when you think back to, uh, you know, hey, I, I remember uh, 
computers that had one core. I remember when the Core 2 Duos or the Core Duos came out, and you went, ooh, there's two processors in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, woo. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it gets a little insane. We're, we're, we're coming into this domain of, of uh, overkill unless you really have some very unique uh, application for it, you know? Yeah, it's one of those where they're like, this is crazy, crazy fast. Nobody needs this unless you know you need this, right? And right. if you're in one of those jobs, you know you need this. Like, I was um, listening to a podcast of a guy who does um, photogrammetry where they do, like, the um, uh, 3D rendering of, of space in a room or something. So they'll set down, like, uh, uh, you know, these cameras that'll take pictures around the entire perimeter and then uh, with that, they, they record information about how far away from the camera each thing is so that they can then create basically a, a 3D model of a space. Mm-hmm. And that kind of rendering, uh, they said, you know, on, on an Intel Mac would sometimes take three or four hours. On the M1 Mac, it was down to like 45 minutes. And on the, on the M2s, it's, it's down to, to like, uh, you know, a half an hour. Um, but... They said, you know, if we can get that down to five minutes, then I can make an adjustment and then re-render it and make it. Because that's the problem is, is you, know, you, you, see, you go in and you look at what you got and then you make a few adjustments and then you got to re-render it again. And that's mm-hmm. the process. Well, if it's taking hours between every re-render, you've got a lot of downtime. You've got to find other things to do, you know, or you've got to think, especially if you've got employees that are doing this, you know, you, you've yeah. got to find other things for your employees to do. And if that's your job or if that's what you're doing, those kinds of things, then, you know, spending a ton of money once is much better than spending a ton of money finding busy work for employees. And yeah. so, um, uh, you know, or multiple computers doing sort of the same kind of thing, you know, ping-ponging back and forth between two and stuff. So, so. You know, if you can see, if if you can take a process, you know, down to, you know, fractions of what it was before, you can save your company tons of money. And it's one of those things where, you know, you just bill it back to your client, right? So you have no qualms about spending the money to go get one of these real expensive computers. Yep. Yep. So. Well, I, you know, I've, I've been uh, away from the technical world long enough that I that I haven't really, uh, well, even when I was, I was in a certain special area that uh, wasn't all that demanding. I mean, it's always been those people in either weather, where they're dealing with the complexity of mm-hmm. lots and lots of factors and... and uh, Yeah, millions of data points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, jillions trying to figure out yeah. how they interact. Uh, let's see, what was the other big thing? Uh, yeah, data modeling... People who work in the world of physics, you know, yes. a lot of a lot of those kind of high end calculations, and then a lot of the people who are doing, um, you know, uh, imagery type of things where they're doing, uh, like we're saying, the three D modeling type of stuff, that yeah. takes huge amounts of uh, and, well, processing have, and graphic processing power. Yeah, and when you say graphic processing, that right there tells you that there's it's a specialized type of processing to begin with. Sure. Because when you think about it, you just got this big surface and it's got uh, the more dots it's got on it, the more processing it takes. You know? Right. Right. Uh, yeah. 
You know, if you're if you're also they're they're saying that you know like a lot of the um, movies that we're seeing in in 4K, well, those are shot in 6K so that they can then pan and scan on the screen to get the right shot. And so you know, and if you've got multiple shots cutting back and forth in between them with 6K worth of data, that's just huge amounts of data moving back and forth. And so, again, you know, if something, you know, will save you, you know, 30 minutes in doing, you know, spread that over a week, how much time have you saved? How much employee cost did that, was that for you? Did it make sense to, to invest in a computer that would have saved you that 30 minutes? Yeah, you know, I was looking at some, some data on the, the other day on the total uh, processor usage, and Apple is still less than 10% of every computer out there in terms oh, yeah. of sales, sales uh, in terms of uh, total quantity, not sales right. per unit time or something like that. Right. It's just, uh, well, it, you went, it also depends on how you categorize a, that, though, too, right? Yeah. Because but, some sometimes they categorize iPads as computers, sometimes they don't. You know, yeah. some places call a, a phone a computer, others don't. You know, I, so it I, just depends on what. You know, but I yes, su- I suspect at least it used to be that the majority of computers when they first came out for for, for office use and they were typing uh, letters and stuff like that. Yeah. Now uh, letters are probably very seldom printed out anymore so i suspect that business, printer businesses died down and they're probably all transmitted electronically uh so uh but still uh are you having separate secretaries uh do it or are you doing it on your own well yeah more and people, more people don't have secretaries to do that anymore that that's right except the uh the guys who just want to look down their nose at you you know that they, they can do the hiring <laughs> yeah uh, I'm I'm an executive now. Somebody types my own letters and you know that kind of stuff. Or maybe maybe that didn't even go on anymore. I don't know. But uh, so, uh, but there's still probably more applications, you know, or people who have machines do 90% or 98% of their work is just a word processor or a spreadsheet. Uh, there's the there's a large group of people in the accounting and whatever that just their their business is all on spreadsheets. And a lot of engineers had, had gone to those, at least when I was in work. Uh, but uh, then uh, I sus- still suspect that those Office products are the primary use for everything, Microsoft Office, yeah. of, which, of which at the time I was still there, I was using their database more than anything else because I was in the process of trying to reorganize an engineering organization to where they could share data. Yeah. Uh, more app, uh, you know, more uh, uh, make the whole group more efficient. Yeah. And avoid errors because if you don't have a good data sharing system, which is what Microsoft Access was, was the name of their database. Right. Uh, and you could take spreadsheets and easily transmit them from one place to another. So that was, we, we made that the, the standard back uh, uh, communications media for engineers yeah yeah but even then the the actual amount of cpu cycles used to run those apps is practically nothing most of the time the cpu is sitting there waiting for you to to do something right you know 
It's th those are not CPU intensive type tasks for the most part. So I mean, may, it, maybe if you were doing a large query, you know, you'd crank up the CPUs as you were, you know, chugging through a database. But a lot of that has more to do with disk access than anything else. Yeah. You know, uh, and but, nowadays that's like lightning fast because it's not technically a disk anymore. Yeah, but the, the Dells and Compacts and and uh, HPs mm -hmm. of the world are kind of three or four companies like that are sharing uh, the Windows uh, tools uh, because that, that's what they serve, the very low-end user. No, no one's very willing to spend very much for that, that uh, software that is needed for those type of tasks. Yeah. You know, uh, but beyond that... Uh, yeah, you know, well, and in a big way these days, a lot of places are using... Uh, uh, Google Docs, Google Apps. Yeah, you know yeah. Uh, that's because that's a great. You know, they they have focused on collaborative tools more so than Microsoft did. Right. So you know, every document by default can be shared with anybody else. What they don't have, that I'm aware of, is a web-based, small client sort of database type thing. They don't have a web-based version of uh, the Access database. In fact, I've always been shocked because I'm I'm always been intrigued by databases in terms of, you know, just being a really really good tool for a lot of things, and most people tend to default to using spreadsheets and stuff more than databases, but you know I would love to see, um, an an easily accessible well, database like like you know that access database was easy to use, easy to set up, and basically create database applications, you know on a computer, but it doesn't, you know, they never made it to support Mac-based computers. They don't, they never made it web-based. And to me, those kind of, that, that, if there was a good web-based database where you could just go create a data app real quick and easy would be awesome. Well, here's the thing. Uh, the traditional database apps mm -hmm. uh, were not designed to be used the way they are being used today. And the whole business that nobody has come up with uh, a suitable alternative to uh, the sort of traditional architecture. Uh, and yeah, but the problem was is that the, too many too many databases are incredibly technical and complex. You know, access was pretty straightforward, but then it never went beyond just the one platform. But what I'm saying is that you, you need somebody to be able to make make uh, like I was functioning for the Boeing Group that I was supporting. Uh, as kind of a guy who knows how to organize for the particular project that they were working on, you know, understand who the players were and how they interacted with the others, and then architect how the database was structured so that data got to the right places and, and was easily accessed by those who needed it. So it was an education thing, uh, the uh, function that I was performing largely. Uh, once I figured out that, how this could really improve. Well, first of all, they brought me in because they had, cre had a lot of automated test instrumentation as well. Engineering operations always have testing going on. And they needed, in order for these tests, certain parameters from various different specialized groups. And by just doing it via access, they were making copies of, of my spreadsheet and sending that on to somebody else. And then you had to be sure somebody got the latest, the, the date of the latest version 
of your spreadsheet. And so the management of it got totally out of hand. They had to rerun a whole bunch of tests because they ran the test with the wrong data sets. And so that that's, was the chaos that was going on in this department. When right. It, well, that's, that, that's the point I'm making is, is that too often people use spreadsheets when they're not the right tool, but there aren't really good database tools that are easy to use for the average schmo either, you yeah. know? Well, I, I just basically, you, I, I just, I'm, okay, go ahead. I was going to say what I used the database to do was to support basically a project management function. Okay. Uh -huh. And, and in that sense, it uh, kept, think, kept track of things by specific dates and deadlines. And, uh, and so it, as a project manager, you could go in there and find out the status of anything and whether you could actually uh, run your test because it wouldn't let you unless you got some something that was beyond a certain date uh, from all of the players that were mm -hmm. involved in this. You couldn't go forward because it checked all of that stuff for you to be sure it was right before you run the test. You know. Anyway, let me get back. You said... You gave me some new stuff here. Well, I sent you a link to a uh, an article that talks about nine different online alternatives to Microsoft Access. So apparently there are some, including Google Tables, but that's apparently in a beta and only available certain places. Um, the one that a lot of that, that popped up quickly was something that was called Hyperbase, but now it's called WorkMap AI. So apparently it's changed um, uh, in terms of its name, but. Uh, uh, that and QuickBase I have seen in the past, um, except that I didn't realize that it was uh, a web-based thing because I know they had had a uh, um, you know a downloadable app before. So anyway, it looks like there are some out there. So if you know if you were really trying to do a database type of thing, you could go find it. But like <laughs> they list MySQL. Well, MySQL is not an easy to use database that you know Joe Schmo is going to pick up and go use. Yeah, you know. Um, Google Forms. Google Forms, a lot of people use Google Forms, but it's not really a database. It's a data collection tool. You can make a form to collect data, but yep. it, you really don't run. I mean, it puts it puts uh, basically everything into a spreadsheet on the back end, so you really don't have any um, uh, true database functionality. It's just sort of a, a form-based interface to collect data into a spreadsheet. Um, ah, well, this, this is a good article. Because it does show uh, a, a lot of different things that are uh, that could be really important when you're trying to to manage something and uh, and get it all right. So I, I see here pieces and parts of things that I was doing with the database. Yeah. Yeah. So so anyway, there's you know there's there's options available that are more. Um, that are designed for for you know shared use yep. in a, in a, in an internet world, which makes sense. You know, I knew something like that had had to exist in some way. It seems like the pickings are still kind of slim; that nobody's really you know taken off in that arena. Um, and you know, I'm looking at some of these like QuickBase. Well, its pricing starts at five hundred dollars a month. Yeah, that's not yeah. something that I'm going to sit down and build a database on because I'm not going to spend five hundred dollars a month. <laughs> you know, and there are things that I wouldn't mind having a database to do, you know, but yeah. but they're not easily let, available. Let me tell you a real world application that happened to me just this 
this morning I was trying to fix it. And that is, is that I do online banking. And like anybody else, they've been improving it. You know, ever they come out and have upgrades every once in a while. Well, uh, sometime, maybe a month ago, I was using their app and something that had been working well for years where that was, I, it was a little button you had to push in order to get in and access messages so you could communicate uh, about uh, uh, back and forth between the bank. They would, mm -hmm. instead of sending me letters through the regular mail, this was kind of an email box, if you will. Yep. Uh, and uh, including that were statements on each separate account that you have with the bank, you know, savings and mm -hmm. uh, checking and, credit cards, and so forth. Well, it turns out that maybe a month ago, I discovered that it wasn't working like it used to. The button didn't work. Now, here's, here's the symptoms. You'd push the, the button, and it would start to go back the way it was supposed to, but then suddenly it would disappear, and you'd be back where you were. And so you could never access the message. You couldn't read it because it just kind of popped up and it was gone. You know, mm -hmm. That's the digital world speed, you know. So finally, yeah. I got tired of this, and this morning I said, well, I'll just call the bank and, and talk to their apps people. Well, there was the first problem. That wasn't one of the choices on the menu as to who you wanted to talk. They, yeah. they, they thought you wanted to talk about an account, this account or that account or, or you know, yeah. whatever. Is it yeah. credit card thing? And there was nothing about tech support. <laughs> yeah, I want to talk to the people in charge of your app. Your app is failing me. So anyway, they told me it was a three-minute wait. It turned out it was a little over a minute, so it wasn't too bad. I got a hold of this first lady. But then she, said, she says, well, then let me put you in touch with tech support. And then uh, I said, oh, that's great. Uh, so I want to talk to. And so a after she switched me, then it tells me that, oh, it's an 11-minute wait. Yeah. <laughs> so here I am trying to be, just be helpful, you know. I got to wait 11 minutes to tell them they have a problem with our app. Well, then yeah. I finally get a hold of the app guy, and while I was waiting that 11 minutes, I forgot that I have two ways to get to them. It's not just the app, but I could go through the uh, through the uh, regular page. browser, yeah, you know, online. So I uh, was in the process of logging in, and, and I got logged in when the guy answered the phone, and suddenly the online app through Safari worked just fine. And so I, and I didn't make the distinction between the app being that way and, and the online thing. However, right. it, uh, I mean, in the sense of a thing, because it's it also on this online version, it said this is a new interface, mm -hmm. you know? So I thought, well, gee, that's just great. Just when I need it. So the guy that I finally got a hold of after several minutes of waiting, uh, I just had to tell him, well, I'm sorry the problem that I had has gone away and but I was thinking in terms of the app being fixed you know mm -hmm. but I wasn't in the app I was in the Safari browser <laughs> so I thought it was fixed and of course uh, after he's gone hung up and I don't have anybody to tell him about the problem anymore mm -hmm. I'm back in the app and I can't even get it to to, to boot up and I just yeah. closed it up at that point because I well, knew I had to get on with this he, but it's one of these things where, uh, you know, you try to deal in the world, and they don't want to talk to you on the phone because that's expensive for them. Right. Somebody's got to be there. 
and therefore only on certain just little areas do they intend to ever talk to you. But you, And you can't mm-hmm. even help them. You know, like I was trying to do is to say, get your tech support guy out here and realize that you've got to fix this in your next version of the app. Yeah. Well, or maybe it's not even version of the app. It could be something corrupted in your particular instance of the app. Well, or... let me tell you this. Say, being a technical guy, I had already uh, took the app down. Or First of all, we rebooted the, the device. Right. That's the first thing you always do. Did that. That didn't fix it. So now it says, oh, it's app specific. So then I killed the app, completely took off the computer app and said, well, maybe I don't have the latest version. So I downloaded it, and lo and behold, I found out that their last upgrade was only a week ago. So right. maybe they've already fixed it. So I have the very latest version of their app. Brought that up, and I had to go through the login procedure this time, of course, with the sign-in and all that. Sure. And I got there, and it didn't work. Okay, didn't, so that was the same. That's where I was going, is try rebooting your phone and then delete the app and reinstall the app and see if that does it. Because sometimes one of those two things will do it, something particular on your device. You know, that app didn't, when it updated last time, didn't install correctly, and so there's something corrupted. So, but it does sound like their last version of the app itself had a yes. bug. Yes, it was, because that, being a technical guy, I knew what, the had, what you had to do to be sure that you had the right stuff, you know, get the latest yeah. version. And so... Anyway, uh, I, I did all of that and then made the mistake when I got, finally got the guy I needed to talk to. I wasn't And then you didn't, the give, right didn't give him any use, usable or helpful information. <laughs> That's right. Didn't help at all. So, well, so, I'm sure somebody else has. <laughs> you know, luckily, you're not the only person who goes to that bank. So, so yeah. somebody probably has said, hey, by the way, this is not well, worky. Well, see, the the other reason is is we're getting close to tax season, and I I wanted to see if there was any of the tax stuff that was on there for the account. Well, I found it when I was on the Safari app instead of the the regular bank app that I was trying to that mm-hmm. wasn't working. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, some you know they the ironically the app that they that they you know that we get is essentially a custom browser anyway. So I mean, it's you know, it's it's got some functionality local, but for the most part, it's browsing, it's providing you with information. It's it's scraping from you know an internet connection. So um, yeah, there's just probably just a bug in the last version that they you said it was only a week ago, right? So probably something well, in that bug when they when they pushed it out. Well, it's it's been in there for a, close to a month. It's been there quite a while, but yeah. I haven't haven't had a need. It, by the way, it tells mm. you how many messages are under there. You know, right. A little, little button, yeah. a number on it. Well, I'd had one or two for quite a long time, and yeah. I just wasn't interested. But just because you know, I thought about the tax season thing, suddenly there appears a number five up there. So oh, I bet yeah. they're out now. I can look at it. I was going to yeah. say, I bet the, the other possibility is is that the, you, you have a message in the queue that was corrupted, right? And it maybe hung up your app, but when you went to the... Uh, uh, web version, that one was not hung up in the app. You know what I mean? You didn't see that one. Well, I, I haven't gone further because at the time I was thinking I've got something to do to get ready for this show. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, you know, yeah. I had to leave it hanging. But yeah. Well, if you're talking about the the, we don't have to give the name of the place, but it's you know, the, the San Antonio-based bank. Right. Um, I have that same app, and, and while we were talking, went and checked, and I always have messages pending because I don't pay attention to them that much. And I went and looked, and it opened it up just fine on the app on my iPhone. So, ah, 
Oh, okay. So, and I have no idea which version I have or when it was last updated. I would have to go do some research to do that, but it oh. just made me curious. So I went and looked, and sure enough, because <laughs> I Maybe knew that you... I knew that I had messages pending. Because you know, you get like you know your your monthly statement, and everything. You know, you, that comes as a message. Either and that, so, or you have a real old version, and suddenly it's going to get updated and won't work. <laughs> that's a possibility, but I mean, I've got mine set to auto update, so it should be getting the latest versions as they come out. Right. Um, Again, no promises, but uh, yeah. uh, anyway, I'm, I'm glad you sent me this thing about Access because I, I actually had a pretty close uh, relationship with Access when I finally uh, left the, uh, uh, retired. Right. Left, left the work, working. Right. Well, this stuff. isn't necessarily about Access. It's giving you alternatives to Access in, you know, that are online. Um, I know, I know, but it just takes me back to thinking yeah. about a lot of those kinds of things and how I, how I enjoyed that work. Right. Because Dat databases are interesting tools, and and you know, if, if if there are certain situations where they are the answer, you know, to to the solution, right? Or they're the solution yeah. solution to the question or the problem. Yeah. And and too often, um, you know, people, the average person says, well, you know. The answer to all of my, uh, you know, data management issues is a spreadsheet because I know how to use a spreadsheet. You know, <laughs> yeah. I think I've told the story before. I once came to a, a guy in accounting, and he was complaining because he he had been uh, he, his he couldn't put any he, he couldn't type into his notes his memo, and yeah. so I went to go look at it, and it, this is shows you how old it was. He was using Lotus one two three, and. They had like a character limit per cell of like 48,000 characters. And he was typing a memo in Lotus 123 mm -hmm. in one cell. <laughs> and he had filled it up. He had used yep. 48,000 characters and he wanted more. And I'm like, well, go to a different cell. Or, hey, how about this wild idea? Use a word processor to type your memo. <laughs> and and he goes, but I don't know how to use a word processor. I know how to use one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> yep. and, I, and I said, well, apparently not, because you're trying to put more than 48,000 characters into a table. <laughs> <laughs> we had a very interesting conversation, both of us laughing the whole time. But it was like, yeah, this, yeah, the, the, yeah. <laughs> well, the, the other interesting thing about doing work for other people is that I, I uh, fortunately, uh, was a good friend of the guy who was over the department that I was doing this project for. Mm -hmm. And early on, I said, uh, you got, you need to think about the fact that if I do a lot of work here, and it looks like there's going to, I'm going to have to do quite a bit of, of stuff is that if I do it all, the day I walk out this door, somebody's going to throw it all away. Yeah. All of, and, all of your, uh, your, uh, ability yeah. to maintain this will go away. And, and so I, insisted that he give me his best technical guy, mean, meaning somebody who knew how to code and was familiar with the tool. Mm -hmm. And if he wasn't, that I was, you know, and I said, I need this guy to sit here by my side. He may not know it today, but uh, I'll, I'll bring him along as we get go through yeah. that development. In other words, I am not going to be the failure point here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Well, I felt anything that was worth doing was worth keeping, you know? Right. Yeah, you're putting a lot of effort into into uh, both automating and and uh, 
and managing something, and it creates quite a bit of data, you know, in yeah. a piece that then they're just going to walk away from because nobody, yeah. you know, somebody had something suddenly starts doesn't work one day, or or somebody has a question about how to make one little change, and they try to make a change, and then the whole thing falls apart. Well, I had a, I had a similar situation from the flip side of that is I was managing IT for a newspaper, and I had a guy start writing a bunch of automated scripts uh, using uh, Apple Script on Max in a newsroom. And he started writing some really complex scripts. And some of them were, you know, hundreds of lines of code. And this is not compiled code. So anybody could go in and open the file and change it. And then he called in sick one day and I had people from the newsroom coming in going, how do I make this work? How do I do? And I was like, I didn't write that. It's not documented. He's not a programmer. And so he didn't document it. He didn't put, you know, so I have no tools with which to help you, you know. And I had cautioned everybody about that when they front when they when they first started doing it. And they just looked at me like, oh, you're just trying to obstruct us from making something simpler. And I'm like, no, <laughs> not really. You know, I have no problem with him going and automating stuff. But then if he's going to do it, he needs to do it with me so that I can make sure he does it right so that I can then maintain it. And if he's not going to do that, then call him when it breaks, you know? Yep. And when he leaves the company, you figure it out. So, yep. you know, and of course that happened on several occasions. And he was like, oh, yeah, they can call me. Okay, fine. <laughs> you know, and unfortunately at the time, the the guys that were his boss were gung-ho and, and 100% behind him because he was making things easier on the newsroom. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm totally for that. Donors, I, I, I'm not trying to say no. What I'm trying to say is that that's a really, really risky place to put yourself, you know. And eventually he left. I mean, I left before he did. But eventually he left too, and I don't know what they did, you know. Yeah. I suspect they struggled a lot, you know. And if he was, if he, I don't know when he left, whether he left the company overall or just went to a different location. If he went to, if he left the company overall, I would, I would have been said, okay, well, and now for, you know, a small phenomenal fee, I'll be available to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is a stick up, folks. <laughs> yeah. Now, now that I've got you all dependent on my work, but, uh, you know, it's just, so, you know, kudos to you for A, getting somebody in power listening to you so that that didn't happen. Uh, and B, and, and secondly, for actually realizing that that was an issue so that that didn't happen, you know? Well, I just felt that, you know, I, I didn't, I've never liked doing something that, uh, I thought was somebody was going to have to throw away as soon as I walked out the door. Right. Well, and you, you should, sense to me. you That's should just, never create a system with a single point of failure that you know is going to fail. That's Meaning right. well, that person is going to leave. Well, <laughs> in know? fact, be being the contract situation the way I was, we had to renew it every three or four months anyway. Right. Maybe every six months. I don't know. Yeah. But but I was I told them I was going to retire, you know, before that long. And once I had a retirement date, now they knew. Yeah. You know, they weren't going to see me anymore. Yeah. So the guy the guy really worked out well. And, and in fact, I just transitioned stuff as fast as he could handle it over to him you know yeah which is great yeah. you know that's exactly what should happen and hopefully you know he did the same with somebody else so yep. that so that once you know he was not no longer the 
single source of failure. Because you also don't want to be that person. You don't want to be the one guy who they call oh. 24 hours oh. 7 when something goes wrong. That's right. Well, the other thing is, is that while I, he was working with me, I started him being the documenter. We figured out a way that, that, or he figured out a way that he was going to document what we did so that somebody could, could figure it out. Yeah. I was, I was focusing on the solution, but somebody yeah. had to do this other part of it. Yeah. And, and that so, was, that was a big part of my issue was this like, you know, I, I don't have a problem with him going and doing all this stuff, but you know, somebody needs to teach him the, the, the way, the proper way to document his code so that it's, it's. So the next somebody else can come in and figure out what's going on and and, you know, make can make make patches, changes and or, you know, fix things that get thrown out so that you can. You well, know, fortunately, keep it this fortunately, this guy was a very cooperative fella. And in fact, he asked me to review some of his documentation occasionally and, you know, comment on it. And so yeah. I did, you know, yeah, I had well, to change, change a few things. But by and large, I thought it looked like he was doing a reasonable job. So. Yeah. Well, that's an important task that anybody who's done any kind of programming will, uh, especially if you're doing any kind of programming in a group, is yep. is not just a nicety but a requirement. But even oh, yeah. if you're doing it by yourself, you know, who's to say when you come back and look at that code two years from now and say, hey, I've written something kind of like that. Let me go grab it and I'll use it here and modify it. Well, you got to understand it again. And so, yep. you know, good, good uh, uh, proper documentation you know, basically in the code, so you can't lose it. <laughs> it's, it's just crit- <laughs> it's critical. Yep. So, you know, which is just good practices, and I think, you know, anybody who's done any kind of programming of any kind probably picks up on that pretty quickly. But uh, By the way, this article uh, that you gave me uh, right at the first paragraph or second paragraph, uh, it talks about Microsoft announced that they would be retiring Access Online. That's always an issue when you're using somebody's tools. Right. In fact, in fact, at the time that I was doing this stuff, or prior to that, uh, where I was down at Boeing, uh, they were our customer, uh, I had used several online, what they called systems engineering tools by different companies. And most of them were small companies that didn't, uh, they'd, they'd document things, but it wasn't that good. And they had buggy problems with their own tools, you know, and some of them gave it up. They, you know, if you were a developer and you put a, a year's worth of effort into developing a, a something using their tool, and suddenly that tool went away, well, everything yeah. you have you have is trash because without their tool, mm-hmm. welcome to everything anybody has ever based on Google stuff, right? Yeah. Google's just renowned for. Launching something, saying we're all in, and then you know, two years later, going, yeah, we're going to kill that. Yep. You know, they just do it all the time, and so, so uh, yeah, oh. you know, if you're basing your stuff on somebody else's, I mean, there's a certain amount of trust in that in anything. You know, I mean, there's that that thing that yep. um, that uh, I I know uh, Mac and and iOS developers are like, well. You know, what is it that Apple is doing and can we, you know, should we build something on this versus that? And sometimes there's a certain amount of reading the tea leaves to say, well, you know, we're depreciating this particular function and now yep. we want you to use this other thing. Right. You know, and so, you you know, you've got to kind of stay on top of and manage your stuff as that changes because nothing well, is there forever. Right. But, well, but, yeah. Well, back in the day, uh, 
this there was a uh, uh, I forgot what to, how to describe it a a freebie uh, there was a there's always been a lot of software out there that's uh, been developed by a bunch of users and, and and because they didn't want to have to depend on somebody they would continue to maintain that software and keep it go going and it generally got you know had fairly widespread use yeah yeah there's some shareware things out there that shareware that thank was you was what you were looking for is the word there yeah and and honestly those sometimes are your best bet for something to to use long term because you know you'll get a group of people who are dedicated to keeping it going and it'll keep going yep yep uh at least you had some idea about about its longevity any commercial product mm-hmm. you never really do because yeah. you know the microsoft access was fairly new at that time and i was a little bit hesitant but yeah it it had enough advantages that we decided to risk it yeah you know? Yeah. Well, the other thing with shareware stuff, too, is very often the actual code for the whatever it is, is available. So yep. you can actually download the code yourself. So even if the, the, the you know, original right. support folks are gone completely, you've got a functioning, working thing. Right. You know, so, you know, that's, there, there's some value to that. And, you know, there's also the sense of, that means that it is um, uh, less likely to have, you know, ways of tracking you that you don't want them to be doing, right? Because lots of people have looked at the code. The code That's is right. publicly available. And so if they're, if they're, you know, secretly grabbing information and sending it to somebody, uh, that gets found out pretty quick. Yeah. Now, back, back in the, the day that I was doing that, that wasn't... Uh at least a public issue that I was aware of. Yeah. It's become more of a thing in, 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 in recent years is like people, you know, software illicitly gathering information and shipping it off to, you know, Russia, China, some dude in a basement somewhere, either way, you you know, you think twice about it. So. Yeah. It's, it's especially concerning now that the kids who don't seem to care about Providing any kind of data for free, you know, uh, are very susceptible. So that's why a lot of their stuff is being uh, harvested by mm-hmm. some of these. Some of these. Yeah. Well, it's it's kids, but it's um, also Even, a lot of people who are not necessarily tech literate. Right. You know, and and quite honestly, a lot of it's phishing schemes too. You know, where it's like it has nothing to do with technology. They're just preying on human nature. Yep. You know. To say, hey, you know, do this, you know, check this out. And you, it seems innocent enough. And then you go to do it and you're like, oops. Oh, dang. That was my, that was my bank account number. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You there's know, been, there's been some commercials on TV about that. And you hear this little kid going, hey, mom, what's your SSAN? By the way, uh, I wanted to bring up something in that regard. It seems to me like this business where Apple, not well, maybe six months or a year ago, sometime in the last year, made all of the text available that are on photographs available from the photo app. You, Say, you, if, there was, if there's any text in any photo that you have taken, you go get that photo down and I can immediately copy all the text off of it. Oh, right. Yeah. Copy and paste the okay. text in a photo. Yes. Yeah. So... Uh, I think that without 
proper training that that's a very hazardous thing because a lot of people will just say, oh, I can make copies of my uh, uh, statement from uh, the bank, you know, and on the statement, because they sent it out in the mail, they just happen to put your account number, you know, and somebody says, well, I want that on my desktop, you know, and I just can make a photo of it. And I'll bet you that there's lots and lots of social security numbers, account numbers, uh, and stuff like that, that just, it's too easy to do. It's just too easy to do. And I, in fact, I have, uh, unconsciously, uh, done it myself and I go back and I get rid of it, you know, as soon as I can think, as I think about it, uh, because it's, uh, it's just, a it's just an issue that makes taking the, taking that snapshot is just too handy and, and all of that. And, and therefore it should be treated as if it has all this data in it, even though most photographs don't, I mean, photographs as we used to refer to photographs where you had to take a camera out and push a button, and whatever. Yeah. Well, now you hold but, your phone out and push a button, but, 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 but yeah, but in, in it, most of it goes right up to the cloud where it's up there and who knows who has access to that cloud, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, so it's, it's immediately distributed, widespread. When, it, when it's transmitted from your phone to the iCloud on an Apple device, it is encrypted during transmission. It is not encrypted on the cloud storage unless you choose to do that. And you can do that now. They just put that in the most recent updates to the operating system so that you can fully encrypt everything. They, they force you to, to, use, uh, to, to create uh, a couple different ways to get your data back because what happens is right now Apple defaults to, to a system whereby if you lose your contact info, your, your ability to log into your iCloud account, then you can go to them and they can get it back for, for you. But if you fully encrypt everything, they can't get it back from you for you. And so they, if you choose to do that to be a more secure data, then you must um, um, create a person who who can who can verify that you are you to get your data back for you with a key and or and print out a key that you put like in a safe or something so that you can get yourself back into your data if you lose your password. So, I mean, well, is and, it, and, it, is it, and it is, is encrypted on, on the iCloud server. It's just that App, Apple can get to it because they have the master key to the encryption. Yeah. So, you know, it's like if, if Joe Schmo breaks into the iCloud oh. server and downloads all of your photos, they're not going to see all your photos. But you're right. There's a lot of people who take photos of well, documents. I was being specific to photos data. There's lots of other stuff that goes into the iCloud that... Oh, sure. Probably doesn't need to be encrypted, you know? No, but they encrypt. They're, basically, the default is they're encrypting everything there now. In fact, they have since they launched it. Everything on the iCloud is encrypted. The thing is, is that Apple also has a key to decrypt it. And you have the option now of basically setting up a more secure data store, and Apple will no longer have the key. And so you can do that if you want to, but it's not recommended for most people unless you feel like you're a high target person. Yeah. Because the downside is you lose your password, nobody can get you back into it. You know, unless you've got the appropriate keys to get back in. And so when you set that up, 
they force you, before you can even do it, they force you to identify somebody as a person who can help you unlock it, and then and they send that person a key, and then you're also forced to print out a key that you're then supposed to put in a safe somewhere that you know you can get to. So... Uh, now you can throw it, you can burn it, throw it away if you want, if you trust that you're never, ever, ever going to forget your password. But, but uh, you know. Okay, so you're saying that Apple can still get to it anyway. So what we right. found out also right. is that right now they can. If you choose to do the more the the more secure storage, they cannot. <clears throat> well, uh, the fact is, is that they've been giving police access to a, a lot of stuff if uh, so. they're required to by law they do yeah yeah now what if you if you set up this more secure storage yeah. when the police come to them and say give us access they're going to go we can't yeah. we do not have access we do not have the decryption key for that person because they don't yep but then but most pres- yeah. most criminals are dumb so, and they know that so. right oh yeah yeah yeah, no. And in fact, the fear was is that a whole bunch of techies, because they're, you know, generally, I'm a techie, I know what's going on, and, and there's a fair amount of, like, security paranoia amongst techies, that they were all going to set up this secure enclave and then basically screw themselves by forgetting their passwords. And, yeah. you know, we may start hearing about that. But you know what? It's your choice, because it's yep. optional. You know, I don't, I don't have the fear that there's, a, you know, people trying to track me specifically that they're targeting me, you know, but if I was a journalist in Saudi Arabia or China, I'd set up that, you know, I'd set it up immediately. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a choice. Or politician of any stripe, right? Honestly, yeah. (laughs) Politician or even a, even a, 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 you know, television personality or any famous person, I would probably go ahead and set it up. Um, you know, because you are a target to somebody. Yep. Right. So, you know, it's like the, um, the, uh, you know, secure video, Apple has secure video. And so if you have, uh, home kit enabled cameras, then you can store video in the iCloud, but that's all encrypted, you know? Last thing you want is somebody breaking in and getting video. You know, of course, if you're unless you're stupid, you don't put, you know, cameras places where they'll be recording things that you're afraid that somebody might see online, right? Like, I don't care if somebody sees me, you know, walking through my front yard, but I don't really want them, you know, seeing me in the bathroom. If you have a camera in your bathroom, you're a dummy, and that's on you. (laughs) You I just just brought up this uh, article you sent me. Max now account for 10% of active personal computers. Yeah, uh, I wonder how they determine the active. Would mine be active if I use it once a month? <laughs> I yeah, I suspect what they're saying is that these are computers that that occasionally log on to the internet, and that's what they're doing. Because if you look at the the people that it, um, you know, who it was, they were like, wasn't it an internet company that was doing that? Databricks. It's being reported by uh, by. Uh, computer world but it was according to net applications oh so net applications whoever that is that company california based right so it's somebody who's tracking internet activity and they're saying 10 percent of the internet activity is is max you know but again that's max 
Then yeah. they specifically say Macs, active yeah. personal computers. Do they, you know, do they include iOS devices like the iPad as a computer? No. They're not using, it's not a Mac, so it doesn't count in that 10%. If you include those in, then the number goes up quite a oh, bit, yeah. you know. And quite frankly, if you compare what we call computers to phones, you're going to find that computers are a minority oh, <laughs> of, yeah. of Internet traffic these days. So, you know, most people do most of their computing on what we call a phone. But, right. you know, honestly, that's a pretty poor word for what it is now. Yeah, there's a there was a movie. It was um, um, uh, Jumanji. It was the Jumanji movie. I, I think it was the second one. Maybe it was the first one. No, it was the first one, I guess. Uh, and there was a line in there like uh, they're talking to a guy who's been stuck in the game. He thought it was for maybe a couple weeks, and it uh, turns out he had been in there for years. And they kept talking about their phones, and he finally looks at them and goes, "You guys keep talking about your phones, right?" <laughs> It's like, is there something changed with phones? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, man, you have, you have no idea, you know, because, <laughs> yeah, you know, the phone, a phone today is not what a phone was just 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, we're, we're still or, calling them phones just out of habit. But yeah. It's but really that, a camera. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the phone is probably the least least used function on the device. I mean, it's, right. you say camera, I was going to say, you know, internet browser. It's it's basically a portable internet uh, access point more than anything else. Yeah, probably. You know, I mean, most people are walking around, you know, they, they'll pick it up and snap a picture or do a selfie or something. But most of the time they're walking around with their heads stuck in it, like, you know, uh, oh. reading things. My, my, mine replaced those paper maps that we used to carry around when I was a kid. Had yeah, a, had the car chock full of maps. Whenever we went travel any distance, you get out those maps. Yeah, <laughs> now, I remember when I used to, uh, uh, you know, as as a young adult, had um, and, and this is you know mostly a Southern California thing. Thomas Brothers maps, and yeah. these were you know spiral spiral bound inch thick books yep. that basically broke the entire area right. down into a grid, and each right. paid page represented a, a, a piece of that grid and that's how you navigated around town yep you know and you'd get a thomas brothers map and you'd keep it in your car for 10 years you know yeah yep. and uh yep. that's well, how you and, would find things <laughs> yeah, especially all these like amazon delivery services you know so they regularly got got to go to all kinds of places that they've never been before yeah yeah, and now they not only use a mapping service. I would I would bet most of them have a a, a uh, specific routing. It's like here's the ten packages you're delivering. Do right. them in this order, and yep. so it just tells them, okay, you dropped you know box A goes here, box B goes there, and yep. work your way through them. You know, and that way they they. Uh, uh, well, it's just a multi-stop map. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, but I'm just saying is that you know they are probably at the 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 delivery companies are are you know trying to maximize the efficiency of the route, right? So you get the quickest deliveries and the minimum amount of fuel use by going this way, this way, this way, and this way, and so uh, you know they try to do that. Minimize my cost. Yep, <clears throat> you know because you do that over a large scale, and I suspect it's pretty significant. So, and the nice thing is too, us as the, as the end result or the end, end uh, 
the receiver of those packages, you know, you can go online and it'll tell you, you know, your package is going to be here in, you know, they're three stops away or it's, you know, between 245 and 315 is when it's going to show up. And the closer to the time, the more accurate that estimate gets. I'm actually surprised that that's not even better, you know? Well, you know, the annoying thing to me is is that they've stopped ringing the doorbell. I mean, we found stuff out there uh, yeah. much later than, you know, we were here at home all the time. We're home 98% of the time. Right. And and yet our packages will sit out there. So, that, uh, in fact, one delivery, they didn't even bring it up by the door. They left it set out on our porch, which is quite a ways out. Yeah. And one of my neighbors saw it sitting out there and said, that's weird. I, w- I wonder if they can see it from the door. So she yeah. brought it up and knocked on our door. But we... We, you know, it was a big box, yeah, really big box. You could see easily from the street somebody could have come and stole it. Right, you know? right. Yeah, and you're right. They don't, I mean, you, used to be when they would come immediately, my dogs would start barking. And it's like half the time they come and go and the dogs never even knew they were there because they don't make any noise. They don't yeah, knock, I, they don't by the no- way, knock by or the, anything anymore. Anyway, when, when that happened, uh, I just happened to uh, some, some app that I'm in frequently came up with this ad for the thing that you screw into your light bulb and it has a little camera on it. Right. It's supposed to be the cheapest home camera. Well, it turns out that uh, I looked it up just to be cautious to see. And, and that's uh, a scam. Yeah. That, that, that company doesn't even uh, apparently send out the cameras to people when they order them. They just take your money. Yeah. I was going to say that same, that same uh, camera that fits in, that looks like it's in the light bulb thing. That yeah. they're pitching, you can buy that on Amazon. Buy it from Amazon because that that at least you know it, it'll show up. And if it doesn't, you've got recourse. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. But anyway, I I didn't order it because I didn't you know. Yeah. Realized it's a scam. Yeah, but I mean, if you're really interested in that, you know. But but go I look figured, from a reliable vendor. But you see, I've got a thing built into my TV too. If I've got this certain kind of camera, I can attach it to the TV, and it. Pop right up on the screen. That's yeah. even better than anything else. You know? Yeah. Well, if you have a uh, uh, HomeKit secure camera, uh, HomeKit compatible camera, and you're looking through Apple TV, you can look at them. They pop right up. All you have to do is, is hit the button. I, I want it more direct because I'm not always tuned into Apple TV. When oh, I, well, if, if Apple had their way, you would be. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Apple had their way. They did. They put it. I mean, if they wanted that, they would have put it in the TV. They don't have control. They're an external device, and that. To but me what is there's stupid. what what I'm saying is, is they want you to have that external device driving your screen all the time. You know, your TV is just a screen, as far as they're concerned. Well, it'll never happen when you buy it from the other vendor because the other vendor's got his stuff built in. I'll tell yeah. you that uh, we've had this conversation before, but I. Um, I do not like, I have two, two different, well, I've got one, two, three, four different smart TVs, and I don't use any of the smart functions in any of them. I use an Apple TV instead because it's just better. Well, you know, I have, Just like I have, people use Android and, and, and Apple phones, and Apple phones are better. And feature well, not, for feature, you can say, yeah, they pretty much have the same thing. But not when I wanted to watch last yesterday's football games. I'm on the TV for half the day, you know? Well. Not, I say Apple TV doesn't have everything on there that I want to watch. Yeah, it does. Didn't have the football games on yesterday. Yeah, it did. No, it didn't. 
<laughs> I have ABC, NBC, and CBS streaming, and you can watch the live ABC, CBS, and NBC and watch the football games and Fox. You can watch them on, via Apple TV if you wanted to. Oh, just streaming, you're saying? Well, that's all Apple TV is, is streaming. Yeah, well, you're right. You could have watched them okay. through, through your Apple TV in 4K bliss. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, the, the other thing that I've got a problem with there is that my, uh, nah, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's just too complicated. It's yeah. just one of these things where today I'm back to three controllers for different functions. Yeah. Three. I yeah. hate that. I hate that. Yeah. I just, uh, we, we were using three in our living room because the TV remote, all we would use it for is to switch between HDMI 1 and HDMI 2. That's yeah. all we used it for. Then we used DirecTV on HDMI 1 and Apple TV on HDMI 2. And I finally realized uh, I was playing around with it this last weekend. And you can set up the, um, the ARC audio return channel. Yeah. And so I set up audio return channel. And when I turn that on, every time I hit the, any button on the Apple TV remote... It automatically switches it to HDMI 2. I hit any button on the DirecTV remote, and it automatically switches it back to HDMI 1. So I'm down to two remotes. I got rid of the TV remote. <laughs> but it's funny because, like, in our bedroom, I keep one TV remote handy because it works that way too. I always keep. I have to keep the TV remote because neither the of uh, the other two remotes allow me to set the sleep timer on the television. Yeah. So every night I have to use the remote that comes with the television to set the sleep timer on the television. Otherwise, I wake up in the middle of the night with the TV blaring. Yeah. Well, I'll it's tell such you. a it's such a first world problem, right? Yeah. <laughs> Dealing with remotes, you know, See, it's not like we're going going to bed hungry every night. We just we just have remote problems. Yeah. Well, well, let me tell you, I, I my TV has everything on it. Well. What that does is it makes it extremely difficult to debug and find out how to make, fix things. I've got something in the background, uh, actually it's Alexa, announcing what it text comes up on screen, and it just overlays the voice that's there, mm -hmm. you know, and I can't get rid of it. I don't know where the hell it comes from. It just comes up sometimes, and then it'll go away. It's just been frustrating. Isn't that built? I, that's built into your um, I can't, uh, television, isn't it? You've got the yes. Matrexa built into your television. That's right. Yeah. And the but the uh, the setup controls, you know, mm -hmm. it's got certain specific things, and then it says everything else. But I yeah. haven't been, been able to find it. And oh, by the way, the manual of all things is on the damn TV. Right. So you don't want that there. You want it where you can look at it while you're doing using the manual because it's got five or six steps. Right. You know? And if you get one thing wrong, yeah, you know, yeah, you, you have to switch it back and forth. Right. It's like I can't actually do something on the television when I'm trying to use the manual on the television. I want to download. Yeah. I want a URL that I can download the damn manual. And yeah. you think there's one there? Nah. Yeah, I, I bet if you went to the uh, LG website, you could probably find it and get it onto your your laptop or iPad or something. Yeah. But it's yeah, it it's should have, it, not it should have easy. Been obvious. It should have yeah. been obvious. Yeah, they should put a uh, one of those um, uh, things up on the screen so you can use your camera and take your right to the link, right? Yeah. 
on your phone. Yeah, it's it's irritating. You know, it's 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 like I love technology done right, but when technology is done poorly, it is the most infuriating thing well, in the world. It's just yeah, so irritating. It yeah, there's this just some aspects of this thing was a cobbled job, you know. Yeah, and it, and and you get the sense like, okay, they threw a lot of this crap together so they could say they had you know insert whatever yep. whatever feature was they thought would help sell it. Right. You know, and it's like, I would much rather have less features and have the features that are there work really well and be yeah. really thought through than to just throw a, a pile of features in here and you find out that half of it's garbage. Yep. Yeah. Well, and that goes back to why I use the Apple TV instead of using some of the other stuff. Because too often you run into some of it's garbage. My my primary thing that I have come to the realization is, is that uh, Apple TV far outshines most streaming devices in that it has a larger buffer. And so it yeah. downloads a whole bunch of what it is you're watching so that if there's any interruptions in the stream, you don't notice them because they're handled by the buffer. And too mm -hmm. often I've been watching, like I've got a Roku TV here, and it will like freeze up because the stream got interrupted through my internet. You know, and then it'll start going again. And I watched that same thing with my Apple TV, and the Apple TV just trucks on through it like nothing happened. Mm -hmm. You know, and that that alone is enough reason for me to say I'd rather watch the Apple TV. Plus, I like their interface better. You know, I like the way the Apple TV works as far as you know, clicking on it with my with my with the remote or with my phone uh, to use my phone as the remote is handy. So. I yep. sent you a link to a whole bunch of camera, uh, light bulb type camera things at Apple. Light bulb kind of thing. Well, they're cameras in a light bulb form oh. factor. Oh, I see. That you can get through Apple. There's a bunch of companies that make them. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, I'm probably going to do something like that because I'm getting tired about with the problem out there. Yeah. At uh, least you can see where they drop packages and stuff, right? Yep. So what you might want to do, though, is see if there's one that is compatible with your uh, television, right? I don't know what that requires. Probably one that works with uh, the Schmatrexa, right? Alexa or uh, Yeah, I'm trying, I was trying my best not to say that word so that we didn't set off people's oh. Amazon Echoes, <laughs> Echo devices. But yeah, yeah. So, But if there's any of them that are compatible with... with uh, yeah. With the, uh, the code words, yeah, the Echo ecosystem, that would probably work since that's the, yeah, you know, it's funny because nobody thinks about that. They they're called Amazon Echoes, right? Yeah, right. But they, uh, but they, the smart person inside the Echo, the the smart uh, voice Name. activator thing is is. Rhymes with Schmatrexa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, these are supposed to be indoor-outdoor versions, and there's, you know, a dozen different vendors here. So I'm sure some of them. I think almost everything is pretty compatible with that and with Google. The one that's been a little bit harder to find is uh, one that's compatible with HomeKit. Although um, without reading through these, I would look to see if they have any of them that Oh, actually, I take that back. I was going to say that you wanted to find any that were compatible with Matter, since that's the new standard. But mm -hmm. my recollection was that Matter, at this point, does not have a standard for cameras. 
they did it for a whole bunch of other stuff, but they're going to add cameras later. And so, um, you know, but I mean, some of these are 15 bucks, you know, so if you're spending 15, 20 bucks, spend it and then upgrade later to one that, that works, integrates better. And, you know, the nice thing about matter is, is that it sort of follows the home kit methodology, well, meaning that it's, yeah. it's encrypted, <laughs> you know, v sends the video back and forth encrypted. And those, to, to me, that's, you know, just well, the, smart. When, when I start thinking about cameras, I re, I'm remembering an article that I read not too long ago about this guy who was uh, complaining about the, how, how all cameras that he's found uh, that are supposedly the ones that you put in your car and you want to see a license plate and be able to read it out later uh, don't work because the, the first of all they don't they're not smart enough to find the, the tag and then to zoom in on a small aspect of the car in order to get the information you want to see. Uh, uh, and, you're talking about the ones that people put in their cars that face forward. So if they're in an accident, they've got video yeah. evidence of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And most, most the important thing on the cars in front of you is that license plate, because that's what mm -hmm. you want to uh, find if you need, need some verification of things and yeah so he did an extensive study of all these things and was frustrated from the get-go there are, turns out most of them are made by about two companies and they're all using the same cameras with the same crappy quality yeah yeah you need a fairly high quality um uh you know two or four k camera so that you can zoom in right yeah and yep. some decent lensing and then you can't have a uh a windshield that's all gummy um, right. You know, there's a lot of issues with it, uh, but I think that there, there's two reasons that people have it. One is for accidents, so that they can prove it wasn't them. Of course, right. if it was them, then they want to throw the camera away, right? right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then there's also people that maybe justifiably are concerned about if they get pulled over, they would like to have that interaction recorded. And so, um, you know, they do that as well. Um, so... Anyway, yeah, they, these guys all have some big marketing thing that they put on them and, and try to make you think that you're getting something that you're really not. Uh, so it's just, it's just the marketing is rampant on uh, trying to sell you junk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I found that, you know, like the, the, the cams, the, the home security cameras that you can put up, there's a big variation in those in terms of... Um, you know, the quality of the images and stuff that they do and, and the price, I mean, and, and the price doesn't necessarily correlate. You can spend a lot of money and get so, so video, video quality. And, and then you can spend, you know, comparatively less and get great video quality. You really just need to, uh, to, you know, do a little research to see what's out there. The, um, the Ufi, which is a division of the anchor people yeah. who, you know, who make cables and stuff, they make some good home cameras, uh, and a lot of them are 2K, not 4K. But 2K turns out is plenty sharp to see what's going on, and they're much better than a lot of um, uh, of other people in the marketplace for home home security cameras that aren't terribly expensive. 2K and, and 4K are specs you use with displays. I don't even know what they mean with regards to cameras. 
Uh, it just has to do with the resolution of the imager inside the camera. Yeah. And at their, what distance? And then it's this, it's the number of dots on the image, the the actual surface of the uh, image sensor. <clears throat> and so that's the resolution at which the image is stored is, you know, 2K or 4K or 12K. I mean, like the iPhone is a 12K camera uh, up until the iPhone 14. But... Um, the, okay, so then it's optics. The other, the, yeah, and then it's optics, and how clear is the is the lensing, you know, and that has that has a lot to do with then, you know, what the um, how wide the field of vision is, and yeah. uh, um, you know what uh, um, how clear it is the clarity and the optics have a lot to do with that, you know, and that's something I found like I said the the anchor or the UFI stuff is um, pretty sharp, pretty good. They also offer something that most of them don't have, and that is a battery-operated camera that has a, a motion sensor on it. And you can charge it up, and it'll go for six months on a full charge, you know, unless there's constant motion in front of it and keeps it on all the time. And they also sell a, um, a small solar plate that's about the size of a standard iPad, iPod, uh, iPad so maybe like 9-inch um, diagonal. Mm-hmm. that you can attach to it and then it charges itself during the day and stays charged. And mm-hmm. so you can basically leave the camera sitting infinitely out there. So you don't have to run a cable to it, you know? Mm-hmm. So instead of putting the camera on the house and then running power to it, you can put the camera say on the opposite side, pointing back at the house and, uh, and it, you know, attaches via Wi-Fi and, and stays hooked up. So, um, those yeah, obviously most, cost more because there's a lot more complexity to them, but uh, yeah. but uh, they make some nice stuff. Oh boy! Well, you can spend a lot of time trying to figure out what's the best answer. Yeah, yeah, and very often what you think is the best answer at one point in time then gets a better solution later. You yeah. know, so you just have to say, "Well, I'm looking for what's good enough now," <laughs> right? <laughs> Yep. You know, um, unless you want to, you know, dedicate yourself to to staying on top of that stuff. Because anything, especially if it's tied into technology by default, is, is, you know, moving forward and changing. So what seems good at the moment may not be the the best solution six months from now. But, uh, you know, I think that um, some people are I need a solution and go buy it kind of people. And some people are, uh, I'm going to research it and read about it and think about it and hem and haw, you know, and then eventually maybe I'll spend some money. And you just hope that, uh, you know, whichever of those you are, you're not also the kind that then is immediately upset because there was a better solution that you didn't wait for. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, like Apple, what was it uh, last week or the week before when they announced the new laptops and the Mac mini and the, uh, and the uh, new home, uh, home pod speakers without any precursor, nobody knew they were coming. Yeah. You know, if you'd have just bought a brand new laptop, you might be a little upset going like, well, wait a minute, I just bought a brand new laptop and now they came out with a better one. Literally, you know, the week later, nobody told me. Um, If you did that, by the way, Apple lets you bring things back. No questions asked for 16 or for, was it two weeks? I think it's 14 days or 16 days. 
yeah. something like that. So if you bought it like literally the week before and you really feel like you wanted to wait for the other one then or you you wanted the newer one, then you can take it back and buy the new one. Um, the flip side of that is is if you bought a M1-based laptop, you know, the day before the announcement, that M1-based laptop is still a really good laptop. Yeah. You know, it's going to be faster than, than you know, most of your other options. And so, yep. you know, without having to go through any hassle at all, you could just well, keep that, it. That's the only M1 happy. I've got right now. And, and, I'm, and I'm really pleased with it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a great and and they didn't upgrade the the uh, in fact when you got the M1 they already had the M2 version of that laptop out so right. you had the option of getting that but you got a really good deal on the M1 version right and and it's like that M1 version was so many light years faster than the laptop you had previously that it was like yeah I'll I'll save the money and get this one that's right yeah. Yeah, and and from everything I've read, that's what most of the experts are saying is if you have an M1, there's really not a reason to go buy an M2. But if you're still on a uh, Intel-based Mac, that going to the newer chip, regardless of whether it's an M1 or an M2, is going to feel like night and day for you. Yeah. So. Well, good have we stuff. Have we kind of covered the? Waterfront today? I think so. Let's scan back. Oh, you had something up there about the reality uh, headset. So uh, it yeah, was an let's... article saying that it uh, it's not going to oh. be a smash hit, but that it'll be an important first step. This is an article from Mac Daily News talking about it. Uh, yeah. And this is a supposition that it could actually at some point supplant the iPhone as the uh, – the biggest product that Apple sells. And that's, that's pretty high praise. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the iPhone is the most successful commercial product ever sold. Well, <laughs> for, this is for those people who've got the iPhone in their face all the time, just so they can see that display. Yeah. Well, you see, if you project it on glasses, especially glasses that that look like nor normal glasses, maybe yeah. a little apple on the side there, uh, and and see things that are uh, uh, yeah in, in such a way that you you want to, without falling all over yourself. Yeah. You might you might find them a, a suitable substitute. Yeah. Well, I think you know the assumption is that. Initially, they're going to come out with these goggles that look just like the goggles that are out from companies that do virtual reality goggles right now, but yeah. that they're going to be followed by these glasses that look more like normal glasses that, you know, you could wear down the street and not look like a complete idiot. And yeah. and if that does indeed come to pass, then I could see them being a very major product for Apple. The glasses, right. not the goggles. The goggles... Right. If goggles are for gamers. That's, right. That's, it, yeah, that's exactly. If the, or, you know, goggles are for very siloed uses, you know. I could see, like, um, the goggles, you know, I could see somebody in a warehouse saying, okay, well, you put these goggles on, and then it highlights the thing you're looking for. So you can then look around the warehouse, and you can see the one that's got the blinking red blob above it, and you go over. And in that case, you say, okay, that's great. I would use them for that. But you're not walking down the street wearing these things. No. You know. No. You're not going out to lunch wearing these things. In, in fact, they show pictures of people playing games standing up, which I think is pretty dangerous right there. 
Right. But that's how they all do it. They're all like standing up. And in fact, it's funny because I was listening to a podcaster who talks about the fact that they love these uh, virtual reality games and they use their Oculus uh, headsets to do this. But what they essentially did was they had to take a room in their house and ads on the wall. Well, and they (laughs) emptied it out. It's just an empty room that they can go in to play. So they have a gaming room set aside because otherwise, yeah, you're banging into stuff and you don't want to trip over tables and couches and stuff when you right. can't see what you're doing that's a great way to break an arm yeah you know and i don't most people can't afford the 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 headset much less setting aside a room in which to use it you know? well so mac mac da- mac daily news says first apple's ar vr smart goggles focused on developers then the smart glass revolution will follow right and and so, my my response is if that's truly what's going to happen, then yeah, okay, I can buy into it, you know, and I get it. Now, these goggles, apparently, even though they keep showing them with this black screen across the front, um, either will be see-through or you'll have cameras projecting on the inside. So when you put them on, you'll still be able to see what's around you. Well, I, w- I was thinking that would be the similar. Yeah. Uh, so, because- yeah, so th- this is, theirs are meant to be and they, they're careful here. They say AR, VR. Augmented real, reality is really where Apple has been putting all of their, at least all their talk. We'll see what they actually do with the product. Yeah. But their talk has been around augmented reality, not virtual reality where you're cut off from what's really Everything. around you. You know, they want you to see the world around you. And then they're going to add to that by providing you information. Like I was saying, like, say you're in a warehouse and you're looking for a specific pallet, you know. And, and mm-hmm. you put the goggles on, and then you look around the warehouse, and you can see that pallet is flashing red. And so you can walk right to it, right? But if, but if you can, somebody can invent a game that you're just sitting on a sofa, and uh, you're playing the game with this thing, you move your heads, and you can see a broader view and whatever, mm-hmm. you, could, you could make those very useful for kids, you know? Sure. But sure. not for 3000 bucks. they got to get them down, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, three thousand bucks sounds like sounds like a developer product to me, yeah. you know, or, or unless there's a a corporate use for it that makes sense. But yeah, that's not that yeah. three thousand dollars is not you and me going. Hey, let's go down and get a headset so that we can talk to each other in in a virtual environment. Right. You know. Yep. So, um, you know, and that's kind of what um, what uh, the meta people have been saying is that they think that it's going to be. You know, everybody will have one of these. And, of course, they're selling theirs for a couple hundred bucks. But they're saying you'll you'll basically put these things on and, and, and then have them on for a long period of time while you're then interacting with other people inside of a virtual world. But, by the way, speaking of having things on, these, these goggles that I have to, to talk to you, uh, they're either going to be replaced or I'm just going to throw them away. Because what goggles? Ear, what goggles my, are you referring to? My ears to? hurt. I want completely over the ear type of. Uh, oh, you're you're heads, not. You said goggles. Pieces. What you meant was headset. Oh, headsets. I'm, I'm like sorry. I kept trying. What goggles are you referring to? What goggles right. are you wearing? No. Yeah. No, okay. no. The headset. The headset gotcha. is. It has, absolutely has to be comfortable. Yeah. You know. Yep. Yep. Nope. That's because I do this. I have a headset slash um, uh, mic uh, that I wear from Shure. That's, that's what I wear, and you know. I don't mm-hmm. mind wearing the mic, but the headset's awful. Yeah. 
I mean, it's part of the same thing. But. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yours is a admittedly inexpensive headset combo. Um, so, you know, it's... I understand there there being a a question as to whether or not that's the most comfortable thing to wear. Uh, I use this with uh, my my Zoom friends uh, uh, and uh, without the headset, and I'm in a room where I can listen to my computer speakers, and I hear things that I that I don't hear with a headset. It's yeah. much much better. Yeah. Yeah, the the problem is is that I sus- uh, uh, my experience has been that the then computer microphones pick up not only you but any noise going on in the house. Yeah, probably. And so for, they're not really broadcast quality. I just sent you a link to a sure dual-sided broadcast headset that's used as a professional broadcast headset, which is way overkill and costs $240. But would be absolutely comfortable to wear for long periods of time. Well, I was thinking of just a, a, a microphone plug-in that sits on the desk. Yeah, Why but again, that well, I mean, it, it possibly will. Again, it's going to be one of those where, um, you know, w- what microphone is it and does and, and what is the... Um, Recording quality. Well, I know, but I'm saying that... I wanna- there are microphones that are you would have to get a microphone set up such that it wasn't picking up all the noise from the from other places you want one that's focused on on you that has a pickup pattern that is fairly narrow then you run into the issue of if you lean one way or the other you're now out of the pickup band and your voice drops out um but that's probably the way to do it with a like a super cardioid um pickup pattern yeah you know, well, uh, you see, if 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 it's picking it up, the computer is also picking it up. Can I turn off the microphone? Uh, I mean, when I turn plug this thing into the computer, turn off the microphone. I can choose because I can't have two of them picking it up, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you pick up like uh, within the well, settings for the um, for the uh, Skype app, you can identify which microphone you want to use. Yeah, I think that. That's that's what I should be able to do, because as far as I'm concerned, the sound out of my computer speakers is really good quality. Oh, it is. You know, it's better than the headsets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and so I want to get rid of them for that reason and the fact right. that they're uncomfortable. Well, again, so, it depends on the the headset. Like I just sent you a link to a gaming headset that's that's a full immersion covers your over the ear headset with uh, memory foam soft pad cushions, and it's got a uh, virtual 7.1 surround sound uh, quality. I don't know how good the mic is on it because I'm not familiar with this one. But uh, but you, you know. see, you're just doubling up the problem here. Uh, I don't need I don't need to hear anything to hear at all i've got i'm happy with that side of it right. all i need is a microphone that makes you happy right that's all agreed so that's what i'm going to shop for okay so, anyway it's been fun and uh we can do this about the same time next week 
When do you go back to your other schedule? Uh, for the entire month of February, I will be doing morning swim practices. And so um, okay, for, a while. for the month of February, we'll have to record about an hour later than we normally do. But um, the uh, I'm trying to look at my calendar. And, of course, I don't have the right calendar in front of me because it's still January. Um, the last week of February is, starts on the 27th, Monday the 27th. So that'll be my last morning. And then starting on the 6th of March, which would be the following Monday, I should be at afternoon practice at that time unless something changes. And so um, once I switch oh. to that on the 6th, then we can go back to a little bit earlier recording time, okay. if that works better for you. That sounds good. Yeah. So. Oh, maybe, or we can stay that time. It doesn't yeah. really matter. Okay. Well, I mean, I just figured whatever worked better for you, it doesn't really matter to me, yeah. um, you know, other than... You know, we start earlier, we're done earlier. Because, I mean, we're yep. starting at noon your time, right? Yep. And used to be we'd go and then you'd usually break to eat something for lunch. And so this is pushing your lunch back or you're eating it earlier. So. Okay. We'll talk to you next week then, Todd. We'll see you later. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to us. This has been another Generation Tech. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>